Giving. I like giving. Man, I have a smile again when I say that because that's just my heart. I'm a giver. I love to give to God uh, and just so excited again that we can learn more tonight. And I'm encouraged tonight to see each one of you here that you've come to learn more. Remember, we started on Sunday at the conclusion where we want to be. And where we want to be is we want to have a generous spirit. We asked a question Am I generous? Am I generous? I pray that's rocked some of your worlds this week. I really pray that that's challenged most of you, if not all of you, to the core, that you've looked and said, you know what, I maybe thought I was, but I've still got some things that I need to do. And please remember this, every message that we preach from this pulpit, we're not preaching condemnation. We're not condemning people because we all make mistakes. We're all not where we need to be. But one thing that we are pushing is not condemnation, but conviction. And that is this, that God wants to change your heart and God wants to change your life and God wants to help you in every way. So we're going to begin tonight by laying the foundations. We preach the end where we want to be, but we're going to really show you over the next few weeks on what's going to get you there. What's the pathways? What's the tools? So are you ready? Tonight we're going to talk about it's a heart, not money thing. Come on, it's a heart not money thing. So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we just pray that you would be with us tonight, that you would touch our hearts. When it comes to giving and God, the opportunities that we have been given, God, I pray that we would, Lord, fully avail those things, that God, we would not withhold your hands of blessing upon our lives, but God, we would release you totally into our lives, that we would see great blessing, that we would see you God, do so many awesome things in our lives. And we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Shout amen. Amen. Come on, high five someone around you. Say you're looking good today. Looking good today. There you go. So it's a heart thing, not a money thing. It's a heart, not a money thing. Some of you are like, phew, man, that's cool. Now I can just say, well, God knows my heart. Listen, God does know your heart, and that's why we've got to get the heart right. Come on. That's why we're not off the hook just because it's not a money thing. We're on the hook in a greater way because it's a heart thing, because from the heart we discover, we talk, we live. From the abundance of the heart, it determines the pathways of our lives. Remember we said this Sunday, you can give without love, but you can't love without giving. You can give to someone and you don't love them, but it's impossible. Let me say that one more time. It's impossible to love someone without giving to that person. It's an action because of that love, so therefore it's a heart thing. 
And remember this, the whole theme of what we're going through is this. God wants us to live a blessed life, not just have a blessed wallet. Come on, it's not just about the money. It's not about if I can have more and I can have bigger and I can have better. Oh, I love this series, Pastor Pete, because I'm going to get a bigger house. No, no, no. You're on the wrong fence. You're on the wrong side of the equation right there because that's not what it's about. We want you to have a blessed life, not just see money increased in your life. Because how many would agree with me that money is a blessing? But notice what I said, a blessing. It's not the blessing, is it? It's a blessing. It's a pathway that God can use and others can use. But there's a difference and a massive difference to being a pathway and the blessing. And God is the blesser and he wants to give us a blessed life. And don't limit God to a dollar sign. Don't limit God because Kelly and I are believing for a blessed life with our children and their futures and and our homes and protection and for our vehicles and just everything we have for our health and well-being. Come on, we want to see that as a blessed life. So that's why we preach, that's why we teach this, that we give to give, we don't give to get. We don't give to get. And a lot of teaching out there is, oh, you give to get. No, no, no. True giving is that you give just to give. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to read some scripture again tonight. Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 and 2 says this. Judge not that you may not be judged or that you be not judged. For with the judgment, verse 2, that you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. What two things have we seen there? Number one, judge not that you will not be judged, okay? Second thing we see is what? With the measure you use is the measure it's going to be measured back to you. Come on, that's two truths from God's word right there. Come on, say with me, judge not that you be not judged and with the same measure I use, it will be measured back to me. Now let's look at the parallel scripture to that that we'll see in Luke chapter 6, and you should be a lot more familiar, I think, with this passage, Luke six thirty-seven and verse 38. It says again, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn, and you shall not, condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Verse 38, give, and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will it be put into your bosom? For with the, here it is again, the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Do you see the beginning? It says, judge not, lest you become judged. Don't condemn. Forgive people. Then at the end, it says, with the same measure that you use, it's going to be measured back. But then there's a little bit in the middle that we think changes everything. And what most people preach with that little bit in the middle, give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. A lot of people preach that has to do with money and finance. I want to ask you a question. Is money even mentioned in that passage of Scripture? Come on, is it? Does it say give money? Doesn't, does it? Does it say give wealth? Does it say anything that you'll be blessed back by pay rises and you'll be blessed back with rewards. It doesn't say anything like that. 
And, and the reference is not about money. If you look at what Jesus is talking about, he's not. Because what he's just talked about is you've got to watch the judgment you use, the condemnation and the forgiveness. So the thought is that you've got to give the right things for what reason? You're going to reap those things back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. In other words, you're going to reap back a full reward of what you give. Everyone with me on that? And he's not talking here about money. But yet, so often, we refer to it as money. But what we have just read here is not a money thing. Listen to me. It's a heart thing. It's about our hearts. And that makes a massive difference. We're not wrong when we can use this scripture to encourage people to give. Because what we're going to see is this passage, Jesus is actually talking about the broader principle of giving. And the thought is that there's going to be a seed time and harvest. Does everyone understand seed time and harvest? You sow a seed and guess what? A harvest comes. But you plant one seed in the ground, but you don't get just one seed back. You can plant a seed and you can have a whole tree that can come back. So what we see from this passage is we're going to reap a harvest. Actually, we're going to get a lot more back than what we originally give. And that's why a lot of people have wrongly almost used this passage of Scripture because they've used it as a wrong motivation. Because they said, if you give, guess what happens? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, you're going to get back. And it's become now the fact that we give just to get. We give because of the reward, and that's not the true motive of why we give. We will get But it's meant to be our reward, not our motivation. Big difference. Did you catch that? The reason we give is because we give. Now, we will be rewarded, but that's not our motivation behind why we give. So therefore, Jesus is using this illustration, this passage, as a heart thing. If there's judgment in our heart, we need to get our heart right. If there's unforgiveness, if there's condemnation in our hearts, that we need to get it right. So therefore, when we read this scripture and others like, and we think we can throw money into that, that's great and that's fine. But you've got to realize it doesn't make it now a money thing. It's still a heart thing. Come on now. It's still a heart thing. And we've got to watch that we don't get into this get-rich-quick frenzy where, man, if I give to God, He's going to give back to me. And so I'm going to keep doing that. God wants us to catch the vision of giving, not the vision of getting. God wants us to catch the vision of giving, not getting. And as we give the right things, what does He say? We'll get the right rewards. Come on, as we give the right things, we'll get the right rewards. But we're given to what? Not given to get, but we're given to give because that's what's right. Why do I pay my tithes? Because that's what's right. I don't do that to get. I do that because that's what's right. It's a state of my heart. It's a heart that wants to give to God. That's the motive of my heart. We talked about that on Sunday, that true generosity is giving, expecting nothing in return. Remember that? Giving, expecting nothing in return. And what do we see from God's word from beginning to end? God is a giver. Come on. God is a giver. And yes, it's true that when we give to God, He's going to give back to us. But we must give for the pure joy of imitating Him. 
Because it's the heart that the Lord is concerned about. And a properly focused heart is more excited about the giving part than the receiving part. The rewards do come because we allow God to do a work in our hearts in the area of giving, but not in the area of getting. Do you see that? The rewards come in our lives because God moves in our heart when it comes to giving, not getting. And it's the motive that has to be pure. So we, like Luke is laying out for us, it's a principle of giving that also works for money also. Let me say that again. What Luke has talked about is a principle of giving that also works for money, but the focus is on the person, not on the act. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about you, the person, because if all giving is to you is the fact that I'm putting something in the offering, then you're probably going to be disappointed because the whole idea of giving is that you've given your whole heart to God. And from a heart that's been given over to God, you're going to see the results that takes place. You see, when a heart is right, everything else will be right. Because everything will flow from that. Listen, giving doesn't change your heart, but a heart that's changed, giving will be affected by it. I don't just all of a sudden, because I've given an offering, my heart's changed. Come on. Because of a heart that is changed is now why I want to freely give to God. And tonight I really want to focus on a passage of Scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 15. And we're going to look at tonight four states of the heart. We're going to look at the state of our heart. That which will lead us to having a generous heart, a giving heart to God, that we can answer the question, yes, I'm generous. So look at this scripture from Deuteronomy 15, verses 7 and 8 to start with. It says this, If there is among you a poor man of your brethren, within any of the gates of your land which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open up your hand widely to him and willingly. Notice it's a heart thing. It's what he's talking about. It's a heart thing that willingly that you will... You can open up your hand but not willingly unless your heart's involved. Anyone with me on that? You can give grudgingly or out of necessity, but we're seeing that someone is given now willingly. God's saying, I want you to give willingly. Your heart has to be involved in giving because then you lend to him sufficient for his needs whatsoever he needs. When you can read a passage of scripture like this, you can say, okay, so someone's got a need. That's cool. Okay, God's asking me to meet the need. That's cool. But the whole theme of this message is not talking about others' needs. But the whole theme of this message is talking about your heart in the situation. Where is your heart? Where is your heart in this? So I want to look tonight at four conditions of the heart. And I will say this, if your heart is wrong, then everything's wrong. Four conditions of the heart. Number one, are you ready? A selfish heart. A selfish heart. Let's read on Deuteronomy 15 verse 9. It says, beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your I been evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing. And he cries out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin amongst you. What have we just read there? A selfish heart, a heart that is unwilling to give. What has God called that heart? A wicked heart. 
Come on, God says that's a wicked heart. And God even goes further to say a wicked heart that is sin. It's a sin to withhold and not to help. That's what it says. If we are wicked and we do nothing to help and they cry out to the Lord, it becomes a sin to us. What did we talk about Sunday? We talked about on Sunday that selfishness will always be the enemy to generosity. Anytime we're generous, there's always going to be an enemy out there and it's going to be selfishness. And it's always going to be undermining, second guessing, saying we can't do that. Notice in the passage of Scripture, it says in the seventh year or the year of release. Let me explain something to you. In the biblical times, there was what was known as the year of Jubilee. Jubilee. After seven years, every debt that you would owe would be completely wiped away. Think about that. Well, how many would like to have that instituted right now? Come on. I own my house after seven years. Come on. Every debt would be taken So here's the thought that in the seventh year, okay, so maybe months before every debt would be relinquished and given up, someone comes to you and says, I need some help. So my thinking is this, man, if I give them money, what if I don't have enough time before the year of Jubilee to be able to get my debt back? That was the thought that they're trying to see. See, it's about me. What about me if I don't get my needs met? And God was saying, don't let that be the type of heart that you have, where it's about what you get and about who you are and what you have. Don't be selfish and closed up. That's what Jesus is saying. If someone's got a need around you, look for the opportunity. Have a giving, have a selfless heart. Don't be selfish and close yourself up to God. Let me ask you a question tonight. Why do you think God created giving? Who wants to shout out something? Why do you think God created giving? Because he invented it. It's a God thing. It's not a man thing. It's a God thing. Why do you think he created it? What? Because you're supposed to be a reflection of him. Awesome. Anyone else? To show compassion, to help other people. Great. Because he gave. Good. Anyone else? To trust and have dependence on him. That's awesome. Anyone else? Good answers tonight. Goodness me, I love it. I should be sitting down and listening to you all tonight. Good stuff. You know, they asked a Bible college class once, why do you think God instituted or created or invented giving? And their number one answer in the room was to support his work. I mean, that's a good answer to think about it that, you know, I mean... That to support the work of God on this earth, so God gave, so people could needs could be met, and all that kind of stuff. But when you really think about it, it's just not a good answer at all, is it? Because I don't think God's struggling to pay His light bill in heaven. I don't think He's cashing in some real estate to pay for things. I I think God's got it pretty much made and handled. So here's the truth, and it's what you all answer tonight. The truth of giving is this. Given has never been for the sake of God, but given has only ever been for our sake. God instituted giving for us. Why? Because given is the greatest means that God could ever use to work selfishness and greed out of our hearts. Huh? It's the greatest means that God could use to drive out selfishness 
and greed out of our hearts. And as we discovered again Sunday, and if you miss Sunday, you need to listen to that. We discover in the story of Lazarus when, when Mary was there and she came and she broke that costly ointment and Judas was there. We saw the two hearts. We saw a generous heart and we saw a selfish heart. And what was it that revealed the heart? Giving. When someone gave, it revealed the type of heart. So why did God give giving? Why did he institute it? To show us, I really believe, not only the state of our heart, but to help change the state of our heart and to give us a new heart. We've got to guard our hearts. I don't care who you are. You've got to guard your heart from selfishness, from ungiving. Because there's so many times you can say, well, I need this. And what about me with this? And all this that we can put our thoughts and, and our desires and everything that we have before God. And that's one of the things that we're going to talk about in the next few weeks. God has to be first. So the second type of heart is a grieving heart. A grieving heart or really a remorseful heart. Verse 10 of Deuteronomy 15 says this, you shall surely give to him. The stories continue. And so here's someone in need. What do you do? If you have a selfish heart, God says you're wicked, there's sin. So what do you do? You give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. So you give to them, but you give to them in the right way. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and to all to which you put your hand to. Come on, can you see how a grieving heart can rob us from all the blessings that we can have in God? God says if we don't have a grieving heart, the Lord will bless us in all of our works and anything and everything that we put our hand that we put our finger to, is going to be blessed. Man, the rewards of a giver living a blessed life are absolutely incredible. But my heart can shut that off. Have you ever gone out and bought something really expensive, like a house or a car? Have you ever had what they call giver's remorse? Anyone ever experienced that? That you're so excited about everything and you buy it and you sign it and then the next day you wake up and you say, oh my God, what did I do? Yeah, buyer's remorse. Buyer's remorse. But yet what we're talking about too is that we can have giver's remorse because on the other side of it, we can get to a place sometimes in our lives where what? We look and we say, why ever did I give that much money? Why ever did I pay my tithes on that? Why did I ever do all that? And we can have a remorse when we think about what we have just given. Why? Because a selfish heart wants to stop us from doing that, so it stops us before. But what does a grieving heart do? It tries to destroy us after we've done it, to stop us from doing it the next time. A grieving heart begins to consider what could have been done with the money that was given. Man, I could have bought that new TV and I had to pay that tithes. And man, I, I could have got this and I could have... Come on, we all suffer with this. Whether it's we don't give because we have a selfish heart, we can then have a grieving heart that's like, man, I, I don't want... Man, I wish a remorseful... Ah, why did I do that? And then what? It shuts us off from the next opportunities that we have because then we don't want to because now we're selfish and we don't want to do that. So how can we combat grief in our lives? 
I'll tell you how we can combat grief in our lives. You can do it with the proper perspective regarding your money. You've got to have a proper perspective regarding your money. I know this is a silly question tonight. I mean, has anyone here got a hundred bucks that they just would like to give to me? Come on, anyone got a hundred bucks they'd like to give to you? Mike, you want to? You really serious? Wow, that is awesome. Are you serious? Thank you, man. Appreciate that. Look at that. Two fifties. Two fifties make a what? A hundred. Isn't that awesome? That wonderful. Thanks, Mike. I really appreciate you doing that for me tonight, and appreciate that. You know why Mike jumped up so promptly and gave that? Because I gave it to him before church. Amen. You know why he jumped up so quickly and promptly? Because it was mine in the first place. He never experienced no grief. He never experienced no emotional conflict because it wasn't his in the first place. Maybe there was a little. He was like looking at it going, man, I hope Pastor forgets. I mean, uh, that would be kind of nice if he forgets with all that. But do you see that? I was watching the show on TV. Anyone ever seen that show, Let's Make a Deal? Anyone seen that show? I mean, come on. And this lady was there, and she just won like $3,000 cash. And she's like so excited about it. And he says, you can take this, or you can take the big prize. What are you going to go for? And she says, I'm going to go for the big prize. And everyone's like, oh, why? And she said something. I thought, wow, so powerful and so true. She said, I came here with nothing. And I have nothing to lose. You know what? That lady ended up walking off with the grand prize. She took the grand prize that day. Why? Because she realized, hey, that's nice, but it's not mine anyway. I don't have it. And as a result of having that mentality, what happened? She ended up winning the whole thing. I'm telling you, if we can get to a place in our lives. Here you go, Mike. Come up here. I want to do something for you. I want to bless you. It's 50 here for you, and I want you to sow into someone else's life, whoever you want, okay? Whoever you want. You don't have to do it now, but there you go. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Come on, let's give it up for them right now. Love that. Love that. But you see how awesome it is, the fact of, man, I'll give it. That's where we need to be with our lives. Not like, man, I hope they don't talk about giving tonight because, man, I don't want to... Man, I just got a nice pay rise and, man, this is a bad series come up at a wrong time for me. You've got to remind yourself, are you ready? It's all his. Come on, I said it's all his. Everything we have is all his. He just requires us to be good stewards with it. And the moment we begin to act like an owner... Instead of a steward is when we're going to have problems in our lives. When you begin to act like you own your money, well, it's mine. I worked hard for that. that. That's a grieving, selfish heart. And that's not going to produce blessing in your life because it's going to withhold the hand of God that wants to bless your life. Why? Because you're not opening up the pathway through tithing and giving to God that he can bless you back. Don't ever begin to act like you're an owner. When God has called you to be a steward. What's one definition of a steward? Stewardship is managing someone else's affairs that are not your own. You are managing and handling affairs that are not yours, but they're God's. And God wants to bless you. Look at this statement. Are you ready? Listen to this. Take notes. If God can get it through you, he can get it to you. Yeah. 
Truly believe that. If God can get it through you, he's going to get it to you every time. The reason why today perhaps you sit here with nothing is because you haven't sown a seed. If there's no seed in the ground, there's no harvest. Our tithe is that seed. Our tithe is that which we bring back to God that can open up the opportunities of a harvest. But we don't give to get. We just give to give because that's our pure motive of our heart. And we've got to remind ourselves over and over again, it's all his. I do that a lot when I'm in my house. I say, thank you, God, for blessing us and letting us stay here. But God, this is your house. God, this is your cars. God, this is your life. God, whatever you want to do with it, God, it's yours. God, it's yours. Is this okay tonight? Trying to help you and I and I promise you, uh, you know, when you teach subjects like this, some people can kind of look at you and say, oh, man, I bet they're struggling financially in the church. And they just I want to tell you right now out of an absolute pure heart. And that is this. We are not doing this for the sake of the church. We're not doing this for our sake. We're doing it for your sake. Now, will the church be blessed? Will increase come? Yes, you better believe it. But that's not the motive behind what we do. The motive behind what we do is we want to see you blessed. We want to see your life being supernaturally touched by God. And we believe that this is one of the greatest ways that God can bless our lives is when we relinquish that which is already God's and we give him our tithe and we bring that to God. Third type of heart is this, a generous heart. Come on, go woohoo! And this is what we need to see developing in each one of us. I want to see this building stronger and stronger inside of me. Verse 14, it says this, And you shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press. Some of you may go, that's good, I haven't got a flock, I haven't got a threshing floor, I haven't got a wine press. What he's talking about is, you will read later, from what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give to him. Whatever God has blessed you with, he says, you now bless other people. So am I generous? Do I have that kind of generous heart? Because we discovered, didn't we, on Sunday that we're not born that way. What's one of the first words a child says? Mine. Mine. You know what's a tough thing as a parent to teach your children is to share. It was amazing. We were around Pete and Molly's just the other week and Elijah and and. Uh, and Judah, they get on really well together. But it's still amazing just to see. We were in Elijah's territory because we were around the house. And every toy of Elijah's that Judah picked up, it didn't matter what Elijah was playing with, he kind of left that and he wanted that. And as they get older, this is what the kids' conversation was. But I was playing with that. Have you ever seen kids? That? But I was playing with that. No, you weren't. You were playing with something else. So then they put that down. They grab, oh, no, I was playing with that. Why? Because that's mine. That's mine. That's mine. What we've got to do in all of our lives is this. We've got to grow up. Come on, we've got to grow up and grow out of that because that's just going to rob us from what God wants. We were born that way, but we sure can become and live a different way. Come on, we were born to be selfish, but we don't have to live that way. You were maybe born that way, but turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to grow up. You know, it's time to grow up. You can become and live a different way, and you can be even generous with nothing. Because generosity isn't a destination, it's right where you're at. The lady with the two mites was generous. She gave it all. My generosity isn't when I make my pay rise. When I get there, I need to be generous right where I'm at right 
now. I like what Robert Morris said in The Blessed Life. It's a great book. If you haven't read it, I really encourage you to read it. He says these words, I was born selfish, but I was born again generous. Isn't that cool? Why? Because of a change of heart. What was the difference? I'm the same person, but what changed? My heart. And that which was once selfish is now generous because God has come into my heart. And as a result of a heart change, everything has changed. And you know what the key to living with a generous heart is? The Bible says that we have to renew your mind. We have to renew our minds. Look what it says in Romans chapter 2, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by how? By the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed, put in the image or box of this world, but be transformed. I love that. Be taken out. I mean, be completely transformed. A transformer. Remember those? I mean, they're back now. They're cool again. huh? They're new movies and stuff. Well, a few years ago now. But what looks like a car now can be this big robot because it transformed. It's a different state to what it was before. That's what God is saying. Don't be in a box when you can be in a different state to what you've ever been before. And what changes that is our minds. So we've got to learn to retrain our minds. We've got to learn to renew our minds because the first thought so many times in our lives is to clench our fists, to hold on to what we have. Remember, God's economy and the way God does things is different to ours. If we're going to have, we've got to hold on to. God says, no, in order to have, you give. But yet the first response that we have many times in the natural is to close our fists. Come on, what's the first thing that can be checked off the list when there's an emergency in our finances is, oh, I'll just pay my tithes next month. Come on, we scrape to make other things to meet the needs, but yet God gets pushed down the list. Why? Because our first tendency so many times is to close our fist instead of opening our fist. Because if I don't have enough now, I never will if I give. You've got to watch because if you're not willing to give to God his portion and really bring to God his portion, you'll never have enough to meet your need. You'll never have enough because tithing is the pathway, the doorway that opens up the supernatural blessing upon your life and what God wants you to do. So it's natural for us to want to close our fists, but what have we got to do? We've got to renew our minds. What does a renewed mind do? A renewed mind has got to trust God at his word. I've got to trust God at his word. And what does God promise? That you're going to take care of me. Come on, God, you're going to take care of me. When I'm a generous giver and when I'm in that place, God is going to take care of me. I've got to renew my mind because, again, I've got to figure it all out and do it. And God says, no, you've got to renew your mind. It's a new way of thinking and you've got to trust me. And what's one of the biggest tests? And we're going to discover this on Sunday. One of the biggest tests is with money. Given to God and a test for each and every one of us. And tithing is, as I said, that which opens up the blessing, the supernatural power of God in our lives. It's not about looking to manipulate God or let's make a deal, God. It's all about, God, I want to put you first and give you your portion. And then, God, I promise and trust that you promise to, re- to redeem the rest. I've got to change my mind with that because my mind says that can't work. One plus one is always two in my mind. But I've got to renew my mind and realize that when God's involved in the equation, anything can happen. So I've got to bring this to a close tonight. So you ready? Number four, you ready? 
Fourth type of heart, a grateful heart. A grateful heart. Verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. I command you, he's saying, do this. Don't be selfish. Don't be grieving. Have a generous, grateful heart to God. Notice what it says. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Why do you think God instructs them to remember that they had been slaves? Because he wants them to remember where they've come from. He wants to fill their hearts with gratitude for everything that God has done for our lives. I know the Bible says that he's removed and he's taken our past. And he's forgiven that. But I think it's also very important because anytime you're driving, you cannot drive looking back. You can't drive forward in a successful way looking in your rearview mirror. And notice the biggest window in your car is the front window. Why? Because that's the one you're going through. And you've got to watch there. But what's a good driver do? A good driver makes reference of what's behind so they can be more successful in moving forward. Come on. You make a reference to the rearview mirror and what's behind you. For what reason? So you can make the right adjustments as you move forward, not as you go back in your life. And I think it's so important for us not to live in the past, but I believe it's still important for us to remember what God has done and what he has saved us from. Maybe today you need to be reminded today that you were a slave to sin. Come, maybe you need to be reminded today that you were in bondage. Maybe you need to be reminded today that you were a jerk. You weren't a nice person. No one wanted to be around you. You weren't being successful in everything you had. Maybe you need to be reminded about that. And then ask yourself, how could I ever, with a heart of gratitude for all that he has done for me, not willingly give to God? Wow. Wow. What a slap in the face for everything that he's done. But yet we allow a selfish grieving heart to determine the course and the pathway of our lives. God wants us to be generous. God wants us to be grateful. Because of a selfish and grieving heart, we can rob ourselves, but there's another reason we can also be robbed, and that's because of Satan. I don't like to talk too much about him because a lot of people use him too much as an excuse. Someone went into a church one day and they were late to church. And I know that's none of you ever. But they were late to church and the devil was sitting on the steps crying. And they said to him, well, why are you crying, devil? What's wrong with you? He says, they blame me for everything in there. It's the truth, isn't it? People blame him for everything. He can only suggest we're the ones that choose to do. We're the ones that does it. But we know a grieving heart will rob us. We know that a selfish heart, but we know that Satan is also a thief to kill, steal and destroy. Why? Because he desires to rob us from God's best. Have you ever noticed in Christian living, let's put it that way, in Christian living, have you ever noticed the two most attacked areas in Christian living? What do you think they are? Number one, I'll tell you what they are. Are you ready? The Holy Spirit and giving are two of the biggest attacked areas when it comes to the Christian life. 
People dispute the fact of baptism in the Holy Spirit, being Spirit-filled, where God says what? As a gift to His church, guess what that is? It's a power to overcome. That's what God says. And then what is given? Given is the means by which God opens up the windows of heavens and pours out a blessing. There's a reason why these two things are so opposed in our lives. Not only the selfish heart that we have and the grieving heart, that the reason why Satan's really coming behind those and really supporting those is because he knows the rewards of those things greater than we do. Come on, if there's circling buzzards in the sky, what does that mean? There's fresh meat somewhere. If the devil's trying to steal something from you, a thief doesn't break into an empty house. So there has to be something here. And I want you to hear this. Don't say, oh, here they are. They're just trying to manipulate. We're not trying to manipulate anyone. We're trying to see your life be blessed. And we're trying to move you into the blessings that God has for your life. God wants you to have a generous, grateful heart. There's nothing more Satan wants than to stop that in you, for you to be selfish, for you to be grieving and say, what's the point? There's better things I could do with money. Oh, there's always more things you could do with your money. I remember when I was writing my paycheck one day or my tithe check one day, Luke looks and says, wow, dad, why do you give that much? Why do you give that much? And you know what? The first thoughts that can come into your mind many times is, wow, yeah. Come on, let's just be honest. Yeah, could do a lot with that. Could be out of debt in six months if I paid for that. Tell you what, you may think you'll be out of debt for six months, but you're not going to have the blessings of God upon your life. I'd rather be in debt for 10 years and have the blessing of God in my life than think I can do things my own way and trust myself instead of God. And you've got to watch that in your life. Robert Morris in his book, The Blessed Life, talks about someone asking his wife, Debbie, one day, why does your husband give so much? When you read his book, it really inspires you. He, he and his wife, I think, have given away four or five vehicles. They gave away a house that they owned and just everything to people. And someone asked his wife one day, why does he always give so much? And listen to her reply. I absolutely love it. She says this, the reason he gives so much, because he has never got over getting saved. He's never got over getting saved. Don't ever get over getting saved. Come on, don't ever get over getting saved. Don't ever forget the price that he paid for you. Don't ever forget the debt that you owed that he took upon himself. And he became that sacrifice because we owe it all to him. And all he asks is just for a portion, for that 10%. Come on, there's always going to be a struggle for our heart, for our affections and for our desires. You and I have just got to make sure that we're never losing the battle. Giving makes us victorious. Come on, I said giving makes us victorious. Giving is that which blesses our lives and making, makes an opportunity or a space that God can fill. And not only for us to be blessed, that we can be then a blessing to other people. But where does it start? It doesn't start in your wallet. It starts in your heart. Because it's a heart, not a money thing. It's a heart thing. It has to be 
a change of heart. If it's not a change of heart, you'll maybe tithe for a couple of weeks and then you'll give up. But when it's a heart thing, you'll never stop. You'll never stop because you'll realize everything I have is because of God and therefore I'm going to give everything to Him. And a heart will make you realize it's never about getting. It's always about giving. What did I say on Sunday? Here's my stance of giving. Are you ready? I don't have to give. I get to give. Come on, I get to give. Kelly and I get to give. We get to have the privilege of giving to God. Not taping God, but starting off with the tithe. We talked about that Sunday. Remember, we should never have to pray, what do I give as a tithe to God? God already tells us that. And I like the fact that God gives us a percentage. I think it's fair because it means it's what? A dime off every dollar. So whether we make 30,000 or three, what we give percentage-wise is equal. It's fair that God does that. And we're going to discover more about that perhaps on Sunday. But my stance is this, I get to give. And that's my heart. I'm a giver. I love to give. My heart is to give. And what's yours? What's your heart? Because it's either a heart that is going to be selfish and grieving. I can't afford to tithe. Because remember, there's two testimonies. There's the testimony of the tither and the testimony of the non-tither, wherever you go in the world. And they sound like this. The testimony of the tither says, I can't afford not to give. And I don't understand, but God blesses me every time. And then the testimony of a non-tither is this, I can't afford to give. It's the same everywhere you go in the world. What's your heart? It's your heart that's going to determine whether you are generous or not in your life. And God is calling each and every one of us to be generous. Just bow your heads right where you're at right now. I wonder tonight, from this message, I wonder what's spoken into your heart tonight. I wonder what's maybe challenged you in your life right now. Come on, what's been the challenge tonight? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.